morning, church. I um, just wanted to um, let you know, um, there's greetings from, uh, I was up in Christchurch just last, last weekend and um, preached up there a few times, and um, um, City Church, Christchurch, down on Manchester Street, just sort of towards the middle of town. Um, they send their love, um, um, Shan's been in contact with them, and um, and uh, it, was a, it was a great weekend last week. Uh, phenomenal time of ministry and, and all that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to say thanks to you guys for releasing me. Um, and uh, apart from that, um, I'm, I'm glad to be home. Um, I'm not going to focus um, today so much on any of the details of, um, of the last couple of days. And, and, and my reason for that is um, um, we've got kids in the room. Um, but I, I 100% um, know that you guys will be fully aware of just um, some of the stuff that's happened over the last 48 hours. Um, for, um, for anyone that's not from New Zealand, probably one of the really um, big things that you need to know is um, uh, for us, for New Zealand, we're, we quite often, you know, we're the country that gets left off the maps, literally. Um, we're, the, we're the country where, like, IKEA doesn't know where we live. There's Australia, and then there's nothing to the east of Australia. Um, and so for a long, long time, um, we sort of um, feel like we're like the baby brother of the world, or the baby sister of the world, if you get what I mean. And so as a result of that, sometimes we feel, um, it's a good and a bad thing, but sometimes we feel a bit apart from, a bit isolated, almost like a bit insulated from some of the effects of, of the world. And so for us, um, the last 48 hours, and, and I guess everyone in New Zealand feels like it, is we go, oh my goodness. Um, this thing that we thought was just something that happened elsewhere and other places is actually something that can actually touch our country as well. And so today, um, my message is completely different to what it was going to be on Friday. Um, so it might be slightly raw and, and slightly rugged, but... Um, uh, my, my prayer for you guys is that it would be a hopeful message as well. Um, just to put it in perspective, I know probably half the people in the room are actually from other countries. There's, there's only actually three times um, for me personally where I felt the way that I did on Friday, right? Friday being one of those things where I felt powerless, uh, where I felt like I didn't really know what to do, where I was feeling guilty that I thought that maybe there was something that I could do that was more than. Um, there was a part of me that sort of realised, that wanted to hop in a car and drive immediately to Christchurch, which is, um, a, a bunch of people have actually done that over the last few days. Um, but the, to- the only other times that I can remember feeling this way, um, once was the, the second big earthquake, the February earthquake of 2011. And I think everyone felt like that as well, like the country stopped and everyone felt helpless and everyone um, uh, just wanted to know what they could do. And then the other time that I can remember, I was, I was a bit younger, but it was actually uh, when, uh, the, with the Twin Towers, with, with 9-11. And I guess what I wanted to do today is I actually just wanted to unpack, well, in times of stress... And in times of grief, 
And in times where, you know, our worldview changes and shifts and everything that's certain becomes uh, a little bit more uncertain, well, what can we do? Like, as, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, what can we actually do in this situation? What, we, what can we do to help? What can we do to reach out? And so, like I said, this isn't a message. This could be slightly more reflective than you used to for me. There's probably not going to be too many jokes this morning. So I just wanted to warn you of that beforehand. If you've come for entertainment, this is not the service for you. Um, we... Um, um, just when the, um, the stuff on Friday happened, um, we've got a great, great friends up in Christchurch who literally came, uh, they came to the city, um, I think it was probably two years after the earthquakes. And what was happening was there was still fallout and stuff happening in the city. Um, people's personalities had changed and people's, um, uh, were still grieving for their city and there was like holes everywhere in their city. And I remember them going, well, why, why are we here? What are we, what are we doing this for? And so on Friday, a, a great friend called um, Shan, and, um, and Shan and Carol had a chat, and um, it was the same deal again. Well, what can we do? I feel so helpless. I, um, I want to leave the city, which is... And um, one, of the, one of the amazing things that happened was that Shan and Carol were able to pray. They were able to pray for the city, uh, for the for the South Island, for New Zealand. They're able to pray for the city of Christchurch. They're able to pray for the community. And so when we come up against stuff, what can we do? So the first thing that I wanted to talk about, and it's something that I think sometimes we undervalue. We undervalue it. I, I mean, I know that I personally do. But we have to understand that there's power in prayer. There's power in praying for people. There's power in praying for situations and circumstances. There's power in interceding. See, the thing is, is that our words are powerful and the declarations that we make are powerful. Not only that, we have access to the literally the creator of the universe. That's who hears our prayers. And see, the great thing is, is that um, God's hand is not so short that it can't move in any situation. God's not a T-Rex. Uh, no, I, I can reach this situation and this situation and this situation, but this one's not okay. In Second Chronicles verse seven, Second uh, Chronicles chapter seven verse fourteen, it says, "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, uh, face in the Hebrew there actually means seek my presence, seek." Like literally enter into the presence of God and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. One of the things that in my reflecting over the last couple of days is that the land, like the land itself is hurting. The land itself is grieving. Now I'm not, um, now please don't um, think that I'm appropriating multiculture by any stretch of the imagination, but like uh, there's actually this physical grief. And so, but here's this promise that if we seek the face and the presence of God and we turn from our wicked ways, then God will forgive sin and heal the land. What an amazing promise. See, the thing is, is that God either does what he says he'll do 
or God's not God. And I know God to be God because he does what he says he will do. So as we join in prayer, as we join um, interceding on behalf of people that might not necessarily believe the same things that we do, I believe that God would move in their situation. I believe that God will move in circumstances. I believe that even now, um, God is just ministering in a, a million different ways over Christchurch. For us, one of the things that we can do is there's actually a posture and a positioning that takes place. And one of the things that we need to be able to do is we need, it's, it's actually okay to empathize. It's actually okay to sympathize. It's actually okay for us to go, no, this is part of, this is one of the most powerful things that I've seen over the last couple of days um, is that I know the Facebook frame things are a bit lame sometimes, but I'm pretty sure it was something that Jacinda Ardern actually said, this is not a political message, by the way. This is just a quote, so don't shoot me. (laughs) All right? Um, One of the things that um, Jacinda Ardern said is, they are us. And so the thing is, is that when we take the outsider, the widow, the poor, the orphan, the alien, and, the, and, and we identify with them, then the outsider becomes the insider, become part of our family. And part of becoming our family is they become our responsibility as well. And so I, I love that thought that as we intercede, as we, pray, as, we, as we pray for those that might not know Jesus the way that we know Jesus, See, Jesus in, in Muslim culture is actually, he's, he's a good dude, but he's a prophet. One of many prophets. I believe that Jesus would intercede in a number of ways. So we're going to pray today. See, the thing is, is that for us, um, we could be discouraged. It's easy for us to be discouraged. It's easy for us to, be, um, to, to, to lose heart. Um, But there's a promise in John 16, verse 33, that says, I've told you these things so that in you, uh, so that, sorry, so that in me you may have peace. So we're peace carriers, we're peace bringers. But take heart. Uh, The word there is literally to pour courage out. It's like there's a picture of pouring courage literally into a heart. So there's two things that as Christians we, we need to be able to do in our response when we're responding to stuff that feels like we're, hope, we're helpless in. And one of the things is, is that we can't be discouraged. And the reason that we can't be discouraged is because one of the things that God calls us to is he calls us to be an encourager of others. He calls us to be a lifter of heads. And we can't do that. If we're in the position where we're discouraged, we need to take heart. For our God has overcome the world. Any situation, any circumstance, any conflict, any specific moment in history, Jesus has already paid the price and has overcome that. He's won the victory. And as a result of that, we can take heart. I, um, I went to a wedding yesterday, which I took. Um, it was, a, it was a, a, safe to say it probably wasn't a Christian wedding. Um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty rugged. It was great. Um, uh, becoming the Bogan celebrant. So um, I quite like that. Um, but one of the things that happened there was that um, um, it was, a, it was a, te- uh, a teacher's wedding. So someone that I'd known for a while. 
And, and while they were there, there was this, this lady that I'd had conversations with about, um, about faith a few times, and she said that she used to have a really strong faith, and we ended up having this conversation. And she said that as a result of, um, as a result of, um, of Friday and the, the, the shootings that had taken place on Friday, um, she actually wishes she still had great faith. She actually wishes that she was still part of a, a church community and a faith community. And the reason, and I asked her, well, why is that? And she said that, um, I'll make sure, the thing that she said was that she wishes that she can do more and churches can do more. She wishes that she could do more and she felt jealous of the, of the churches that are coming together because of the community because of the coming together and because of the, and these were her words, the interceding spirituality, the fact that you could literally spiritually intercede on behalf of situations. And, and, And she used the words jealousy. Man, how often do we take our gifts, this gift that God's given us for granted? How often do we, um, how often do we not intercede in the way that we could because we, we just don't place the value on it that the world would place on it? So that's the first thing. Church, I would encourage you to pray. Not only pray, but intercede. Not only intercede, but intercede with expectation and engage faith in that intercession. The second thing, church, that we can do is that we can choose to cross the road. Now, um, I don't mean like if I see Shannon and she's on the same side of the road as me, I cross the road away from Shannon and go, bye. What I mean is that, that whole idea of the Good Samaritan. See, the interesting thing about the story of the Good Samaritan, and it, it's something that quite often gets missed when we talk about it, um, the Samaritan was actually the outsider in that story. The Samaritan was the non-Christian, non-Jewish one. And the thing was, was that the person that asked, well, who is my neighbor? So the, uh, the Good Samaritan was actually talked about in response to who is my neighbor. What they were wanting was they were wanting a get out of jail free card for yes, love those people, love those people, don't love those people. They're in, they're in, they're not in. And so Jesus turns the story on the head and makes the Samaritan the one that provides the care, the comfort, the compassion. And then uses the, um, the, two, the two people um, that the person that probably asked that question either belonged to one of these two people groups or would want to relate to one of these people groups. Okay? One was a priest, and the other one was on the way to temple. So they were the good Christians. Like, if we we put it into it, they were the good Christians, but couldn't because they weren't willing to cross the road. They weren't willing to make themselves unclean. They weren't willing... To go outside the other. And so what I want to do and what I want to encourage you in is I want to encourage you to cross the road. Where have there been times where you could have crossed the road for someone and you haven't? Where have there been times where um, you've seen a situation and it wasn't until afterwards that you go, oh yeah, I should have done something better. And for me, the the story of the Good Samaritan, the the lesson here is, is that everyone is our neighbour. That's, that's, the, that's the lesson. 
Um, and even further on in the Bible, it literally says to love your enemies. So it wasn't even love your neighbours. It was like, oh, and also all the other people that you thought weren't included as well. Do what you can, where you can, for who you can. Be a closer of gaps. And let's be a bridge builders, not wall builders. Okay? Again, not a political message. I'm just... <laughs> be a binder of the broken heart and a lifter of heads. Encourage, provide hope, and love more than anything else, love. See, the third thing that we can do is we can love our neighbour. Not only can we love our neighbour... We need to love our neighbours more deeply than we ever have before. See, our response, and it has to be our response, is that we have to come closer. We have to step closer. See, crossing the road is closing the gap. I, um, I've got a great friend. Um, his name is Carrie. Um, he's from Palmerston North. And um, one of the things that he's put up, I know there's been a bunch of information that's been um, put up on Facebook, and it's been wonderful. Um, for, for me, I haven't put anything up because I don't even know how to... Like, I genuinely... I don't know how to respond on a public platform. I just realised this is a public platform. Um, I don't know how to respond on, in a way that even encompasses the way that I feel right now. Do you know what I mean? My, my, my heart is broken. It's, it's, it's grieving. It's... Um, praying to God sounds a bit like groaning. Like... I genuinely don't even know what to say, so it comes out as like, yeah. Anyway, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Carrie's words here. The last 24 hours has seen the, so that's 48 now, has seen the world witness a tragic moment for our nation with the death of many beautiful people in Christchurch. An agenda of violence and hate by a few individuals has attempted to unbalance our peace as a nation. But this is not who we want to be, nor will we allow such hate and hostility to grow amongst us. Our hearts are bent towards all our brothers and sisters, and we stand with you. In our culture, we follow the example of love, of peace, of truth. And the lives of many who went before us, giving of themselves sacrificially to serve and better others, both socially and eternally. Jesus exemplified it by healing and not harming, forgiving and not judging, giving hope and expelling darkness everywhere that he went, and all the while living under a brutal military occupation. So Rome, Rome was the ruler of the day. Love was the example. Let's make our lives count by always expanding love, bettering the lives of others and never leaning into violence. A favourite author of many in our nation says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy and it does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonour others, nor is it self-seeking. Love is not easily angered and love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Our nation has a bright future and love is its foundation. So my question today, church, is how are you loving your neighbour? Um, 
I'm still working on this myself. I, I, um, I had this awkward moment um, a couple of weeks ago when I was on a camp. Um, got to know this, this great guy called Chris and, um, and talked to him over the course of a couple of days. Um, he owns a, a bus, which I didn't know. Um, so he had this amazing bus, which had an espresso. Not important. It was, it was really cool. <laughs> the rest of us were intense. So it was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Talked about these amazing trips that he went on. Anyway, I got to know him really well. Got to the third day. Um, <laughs> and this is embarrassing to admit. Um, as it turns out, um, Chris literally lives across the back fence from us. Um, his bus, we can see the corner of if we stand in the right way. Uh, what's that, sorry? You go on his bus? Awesome, come on, all right. Um, but the thing was, was that um, I knew my neighbour to the left, I knew my neighbour to the right. I didn't actually know my neighbour that was literally across the back fence. And so here's my, um, here's my challenge for us churches, who is your neighbour? See, the thing is, is as your definition widens, there's actually a responsibility for us to get to know people more. There's actually a responsibility for us to close the gap. There's actually a responsibility for us to love more, to care more. And as a result of that, it'll get to the point where it's beyond our capacity. The great news is, is that our God is a God of love. Like the, one of the most simple passages in the Bible, it's like the second shortest because Jesus just snuck in there. But it was God is love. That's it. That's the verse. In, in context, beforehand it goes, God is love. In the middle it says, God is love. And then afterwards it goes, yeah, God continues to be love. So like, there's, there's no exegesis there. There's nothing to pull out. The very nature of God is love. And so if that's the case, then that's the dominant truth that we live out of as Christians. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, Martin Luther King, and I've seen this on Facebook a bunch of times in the last few days. Um, it, it misquoted quite often. Uh, this is from a 1957 sermon. I went to Snopes to 100% make sure this is the correct quote because it, it comes out all the time. It says this, Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot, uh, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Um, one of the interesting things that I see on Facebook over the last couple of days is this calls for revenge, this calls for retribution, this calls for the death penalty. Like, there's all kinds of really crazy stuff that's flooding around. The thing is, is as Christians, we don't respond the way that the world does. Um, we don't fight the way that the world does. Just remember, it's not flesh and blood that we fight against, but it's powers and principalities. Um, put another way, in John 10.3 it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war uh, as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. And I love that. See, our weapon is love. Our weapon is prayer. Our weapon is hope. It's restoration. It's coming together, not driving apart. First John 4 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and, because, uh, and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one 
and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice for our sins, an atoning sacrifice. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the God, uh, the love God has for us. God is love. Um, it goes on in verse 19, uh, verse 18, sorry. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. But the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a lie. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given, this, uh, given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So here's my challenge for you today, church. Here's application, okay? Application time. Pray. Cross the road when you can, where you can, for who you can. Close the gap when you can, where you can, for who you can. Finally, learn to love your neighbor more deeply. How are we doing with that? Are, are we the church that comes closer? Because the thing is, is we believe in the God that comes closer. The story of the Bible is the picture of a God becoming more and more intimate as the Bible goes on. Like Shannon said, um, Steve talked about, Jesus told a powerful story of the Good Samaritan. He told the story to provoke people to think of doing practical acts of kindness and care for the hurting person in their midst, especially for the person that they might tend to think of as different or other. Who is my neighbor? Someone asked. Everyone in your world, Jesus said. Everyone who is hurting. So the widow, the poor, the orphan, and the alien. Alien in, um, alien in that context means outsider specifically. So one of the things that we're called to do is we're called to do, uh, we're called to bring the outsiders in. Do what we can. Love must conquer hate. Love will drive out fear. So what I want to do today, just to finish off the, just this service, I hope that was encouraging for you, church. I hope that's given you just a couple of key things that you can do practically over the coming weeks. Because we've got a, there's a nation that is hurting right now. There's a nation that is grieving right now. Not just locally, uh, not just, sorry, not just regionally, not just in Christchurch. Um, but I think something like, there's a percentage of our community that have literally come from Christchurch to because of the quakes. Like a significant portion. Um, about 10% of our school comes from Christchurch as a result of the quakes. They shifted after the quakes. So there's actually practically stuff that we can do locally as well as regionally as well as nationally. So let's start to do those things. One thing that I wanted to do just to finish off, and Shannon, um, I might get you to help lead it, um, is let's, um, let's stand together and let's actually pray for Christchurch, let's pray for our neighbours, let's pray um, for the Muslim community, 
Let's intercede for them just because I believe that that's powerful. I believe that prayer changes things. I believe that prayer moves mountains.